Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Once upon a time, there was a great wind, a mighty life-giving energy that breathed everything into existence a power that moved along the waters of the deep, the Spirit of God. One day a group who loved God was praying and meeting, celebrating a Jewish feast with friends and family, unaware of what was going to happen. Heaven was about to pay a visit. A violent wind filled the room where they prayed. Tongues of fire descended, separated, and rested on each of them. The Spirit of God didn't just come near them, the Spirit filled them. And each one began to speak in a foreign language, the many languages of all the people who lived in Jerusalem. All those who passed by marveled at what they saw. How could it be that each one could hear their own native language at the same time? Some claimed it was miraculous. Others scoffed and called them drunk. But Peter stepped forward and boldly proclaimed the truth. What the scripture described long ago had now come to pass right before their eyes. I will pour out my spirit, the Lord told his people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Here was the moment. The power of God filled the faithful. The body of Christ rose up, alive and active, equipped and empowered to love God, to love others. The good news continues to be proclaimed. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the best news is, for those who believe, the story never ends. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place with your presence. Embolden us to spread the fire of your Spirit. This day, may we devote ourselves to teaching and fellowship. May we break bread together. And let us pray as Augustine. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. May we never cease to be amazed at your works, and may we always remember that you are with us. Amen. Good morning, brethren. Today we're celebrating the day of Pentecost. It's a very important day in the history of the church. It is a day 
in which we usually talk about the Holy Spirit. And I truly believe that we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. The Holy Spirit in Scripture is called the Helper, the Advocate, the Counselor. Much can be said and should be said about the nature of the Holy Spirit, who He is, the role, the importance of the Holy Spirit for the body of Christ, for the Church. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father through the Son as the Spirit of Truth who will convict the world and judge all of us. But what is that truth? Is that truth just a doctrine, an idea, or is it more? What does the Holy Spirit do? What is His role? You see, brethren, the answer the answers to these questions is of vital importance for all of us. Today's passage comes from primarily from John 16, but I would like to connect it with the previous chapter because it's part of the same context of the same conversation that Jesus had with the disciples. We'll begin reading with John 15, beginning with verse 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. We're now picking up from John 16, verse 4. These things I, do not, I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but, I cannot, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, for he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. One of the things I think that makes this, this speech to, to the disciples, this conversation with the disciples particularly meaningful, is the fact that Jesus was preparing his disciples for his death, his resurrection and ascension. It was a difficult time. He had just revealed to them that one of them would betray him, that the others would abandon him and deny him, at least for a time. And they did not quite understand the meaning of all that. They didn't quite understand the, the depth, the profound significance of what Jesus was about to do. In chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, where we begin, 
We find written that the Helper comes, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. So there is much in there that connects with, with the rest of the passage that we're looking at today. First of all, we find that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, and testifies about Christ. We also find our calling to be participating in the work of the Holy Spirit. But I would like to also point our attention on the word helper that is used to describe the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, that term is parakletos. It, it may have a forensic connotation as an advocate, an intercessor, and in this case also a witness who testifies about Jesus Christ. We find in this context the Holy Spirit acting almost like a lawyer or an, an advocate who convicts the world, judges, and witnesses or testifies. So it's quite a role. But Jesus' disciples here are also called to be witnesses, to testify about what they had seen and heard. And of course, that implies an anointing by the Holy Spirit because they were not called to do that on their own and they had received their mission, their calling, and which is the same mission of the Holy Spirit. So they had that in common. They would work in harmony um, and guided and led by the Holy Spirit. And brethren, what makes us significant for us today is the fact that whether we realize it or not, the baton is being passed to us. We have been entrusted to continue the same mission in our age. And if we, the Christians, don't do that, who in the world is going to continue and complete that mission? We have a job to do. We have a mission to accomplish. And it's just as important as it was back in those days. Picking up in chapter 16 and beginning with verse 4, These things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Notice here that Jesus had not explained these things before because he was with them. He was rejoicing at, in, in their communion and their fellowship. He was protecting them. And the world was hostile, but was hostile against him, against Jesus Christ, and concentrated on him and not quite yet on his disciples. Jesus' question, or I mean statement, was also quite relevant. He said, none of you is asking me, where are you going? Knowing that Jesus would soon leave made the disciples profoundly, deeply sad. The thought of losing his physical presence was their main preoccupation at that moment. And they were trying to sort out and figure out in their own heart and minds what they would do. And it caused them to also miss the importance of that moment. That's why not, not one of them thought about asking him where he was going or what was going to happen. They were too focused on their impending loss to realize how important, how vital that moment was 
or even to inquire about it. But sadly, that is the same for many, even too many people today. We're so focused on ourselves. We're so concentrated on, on what we receive and what we don't receive, what is in it for us, that we don't understand the significance of what Jesus Christ has done and what the Holy Spirit is doing even today. Let's go to verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I have heard a number of, explanation of uh, explanations for this passage, for this statement, but some of those I have a problem with because it seems to indicate that God is limited or weak. And we know that that, not, that is not the case. Although painful and difficult, his departure was necessary. The statement, however, does not mean that the Holy Spirit could not work until Pentecost or after, until after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and the reason for that is because we see the Holy Spirit at work even before. We, saw, we see the Holy Spirit present in key moments and, and visibly present or manifest in key moments in the life of Jesus, but also in the life of the disciples. For example, when Peter confessed that Jesus was Messiah, Jesus himself said that that was not from Peter, but from the Holy Spirit. What happened at Pentecost, that particular time, a very important time, was an explicit, solemn testimony to something that was not restricted in time. It's not something that couldn't have started until then, but it, that was an important moment. A moment that would inaugurate a new phase of work that the Holy Spirit would conduct in and through Jesus' disciples. But what about this statement then, if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you? That statement may give us the impression that the Holy Spirit could not be active before Jesus' sacrifice, but that's not what he meant. It's not difficult to understand what he actually meant if we think about the fact that the entire work of redemption hinged on Jesus' mission, a mission that required his death, burial, resurrection, and the ascension. Without that, brethren, without that, everything is gone. Without that, there would be no gospel. No atonement, no redemption, no hope for any one of us, and no work for the Holy Spirit in us. So why would he even send it? Because we would all be dead in our sins. There would be absolutely no hope for us at all. So we praise God and thank God that he was willing to go through all that. And he gave us that hope. And he was able then to work in us in the person of the Holy Spirit as well. Verses 8 to 11. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. The Holy Spirit in us is God's free encounter with man. It is his work that he conducts in us and through us. But, but that 
that needs to be spoken about so much more because it's so amazing that God Almighty, the creator and sustainer of all things, would want to encounter you and us, you and me, all of us. That he would want to have such a close fellowship with us that he would want to be in us. Not just with us, working with us, but working in us, indwelling in us, connecting with us in such a, a very deep, profound way to carry out a work that is twofold. The convicting of a world as well as a judgment that vindicates the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But the role of the Holy Spirit is so much more encompassing. The Holy Spirit establishes the community of believers and gifts them for their service. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is the one who establishes the church, the community of believers, the body of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us the gifts that we need to, to serve God, to serve Jesus Christ, and to serve one another in His name. The Holy Spirit leads the Christians. The Christians, and by the way, you and, and, and I, who live in the Spirit and are instructed to walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers the Christian to engage that inner battle that we all have against our sinful drives. We have no way, that we, we had no, no chance in that battle. We, we stand no chance in that battle without the Holy Spirit enabling us, without the presence of God who shares with us the very divine nature and pours in our hearts the love of God which fulfills all law. It is the Holy Spirit who pledges our future glorification as He shares with us that very glory of God. We worship an amazing God, brethren. A God who not just, that just doesn't want to quote-unquote play with us. He wants to share all of Himself and all of His glory with us. He judges us as we enter into a relationship with God. But his judgment is not condemnation. Now Jesus said that he will convict the world concerning sin. Why? Notice what Jesus said. Because they don't believe in me. It is the unbelief of the world that is called sin here. But do you ever wonder why? I mean, we usually define sin as acting in, in a certain way or not acting in a certain way. But here we're talking about faith. We're talking about belief as, or the lack of belief as sin. You see, lack of belief in our Savior leaves us with no Savior at all. God has a gift for us. His gift is an eternal life spent sharing His very glory. It is an absolutely amazing, mind-boggling, awesome, indescribable gift. But when you receive a gift from someone you don't trust, someone you don't believe, we're not, you're not likely to, to hold on to that gift and, and believe that it's genuine. 
you will also tend to minimize or despise a gift and perhaps throw it away or not accept it. Those who don't believe in Jesus Christ, those who don't believe in him, in Messiah, do not accept his sacrifice for their atonement. They don't value what God has offered to them. In fact, they tend to mock it and despise it. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning righteousness because he said, I go to the Father. The crucifixion was a death reserved to criminals, unrighteous individual, evil people. And even scripture tells us that Jesus will be counted among the wicked in his death, but his resurrection and ascension to God the Father will prove that he was not a criminal, will prove that he was pure and righteous. And so the Holy Spirit will convict the world about righteousness because it will show, indeed, that Jesus Christ was not just another criminal that was killed or executed. It was God himself, made human, that came to rescue us, to redeem us, and died for us, who took our own sins upon himself to pay for them to carry them on the cross, to experience death on our behalf so that he can also live for us and in us and us in him. And so his purity, his righteousness would be vindicated. The Holy Spirit would vindicate him as God's son and correct the wrong views about Jesus as the gospel is shared and part of the gospel also the resurrection and the ascensions the ascension of Jesus Christ are proclaimed as well the Holy Spirit will also convict the world concerning judgment because as Jesus said the ruler of this world has been judged now brethren that is good news you see in his sacrifice Jesus executed a judgment against Satan who is the ruler of this world and Satan has been found judged and defeated the death of Jesus Christ defeated the devil and the very power of death itself he kind of smashed death to pieces and in his resurrection he triumphed in life a life that cannot be contained. Continuing verses 12 and 13, Jesus said, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Notice what Jesus said. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. If you, if you pause a moment and think about that, that is an amazing statement. The disciples' hearts were closed. They were hardened. They did not understand why Jesus had to die or what Jesus was going to go through. Sorrow, dismay, stress, Yes, they experienced that, but about themselves. They did not experience it about Jesus Christ. They were, they were looking at themselves. 
and that made them incapable of understanding the deeper truths about what was happening, as well as the profound role of the Holy Spirit in all of that. Still, we find Jesus here having no word of blame or condemnation toward them. And what I find amazing is that even then, you see patience being manifested and displayed by him. And the promise that the Holy Spirit would guide them into all the truth. What they could not understand at that moment, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will grant you the ability to understand later as he teaches all truth to you. But when we're talking about truth, brethren, let's not make any mistake. We're not talking about just a doctrine or an idea. We're talking about much, much more. In fact, we're talking about Jesus Christ himself. Jesus, God in the flesh, the most important person who walk on the face of this earth, far from being judgmental like many of us would be today, was compassionate, patient, understanding toward them. And he stated that the Holy Spirit would not speak on his own initiative, but only share what the Father wanted and wants to, to be revealed. Which also shows the interdependence of the persons in the triune God. Going on in verses 14 and 15, Jesus also added, He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit will bring glory to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who is the, the Logos in, in the Greek that John used in writing this, his gospel. Jesus is the Logos. He's a perfect revelation of the Father. And the Holy Spirit will give glory to Jesus Christ by sharing him with us. Again, I want to repeat it. The truth that the Holy Spirit shares with us is not just an idea or a doctrine. It's Jesus Christ himself and all that that means. What the Holy Spirit reveals us is the person of Christ who is the perfect revelation of the Father and the meaning of his redemptive ministry. The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ reveals the Father to us because He, as we said, is the perfect image of the invisible God. And in Himself, Jesus unites us with the Father. So you see the triune God at work, the Holy Spirit drawing us to Christ, the Christ connecting us with the Father, the Father connecting with us and being at one with us as well. On the day of Pentecost, all of this was inaugurated. On the day of Pentecost, the apostles were given the ability to share the good news with the crowds, that gospel with the crowds. And the apostle Peter answered a vital question from the crowds that had heard the gospel. The question 
that was asked was from, from the people is, brethren, what shall we do? And perhaps it's a question that some of you today also have. So notice the way Peter answered. Peter said to him in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Brethren, we cannot ignore these words. If you have not yet received the Holy Spirit, I pray that you will hear what Peter has to say about it and respond accordingly. And if you wish to talk about baptism, please don't delay. Give us a call. Call us today. We'll be happy to talk with you. Brethren, the Holy Spirit in us is what enables us to connect with Jesus Christ and with God the Father. The Holy Spirit in us is the one who calls us to participate in his mission, in his ministry, in the ministry of God himself. The Holy Spirit in us pours out the very love of God in our hearts so that we can share it and express it to one another. The Holy Spirit in us makes us partakers of the very divine nature. The Holy Spirit in us enables us to begin to experience although in, in a small part, but to begin even today to experience what is going to be like for the rest of eternity. It's just that for now it's very limited, but then it will be unleashed into the infinity and eternity in which God dwells. The Holy Spirit in us is an amazing privilege that calls us not to sadness, that calls us not to give up everything that is good and fun in life, but to actually find the abundant living that Jesus Christ promised. So consider the words of Peter. And God bless you, brother. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves.
setting of the sun and our eyes behold the evening light may we sing your praises O God Father Son and Holy Spirit you are worthy at all times to be praised O Son of God O giver of life your glory fills the whole world <laughs> 